Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328358. Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. That's because the election has changed mortgage rates dramatically. Broadcasting from the KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time about. for Mortgage Matters. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for the folks sticking around from the previous hour and for those just joining us. I'm Jason Grody. You got Dan Podesto in here today. Like the original twosome. I know. We should back have gone back to it. the original uh, intro. You could have. <laughs> Yeah, boy, I tell you. You can do it later. Yeah. Next time. Next time. <laughs> there it is. Well, how you guys been? Very I good. Just, I've been great. How about you? Been good. A little R&R the last couple of weeks, huh? Uh, a week, really. Yeah, yeah took a little, little vacay. Good for you. Always time, good. Time out with the family. Yeah. yeah, it's funny that old thing, you know, they say you want to get you want to get busy at work, plan a vacation. Where? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Seriously. It it never, never fails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Dan and I were just belly aching out in the, in the foyer there that we've got, um, we've got staff, you know, that need breaks too. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where somebody goes on vacation and you gotta, um, you know, you gotta want, you gotta, they have to have. Yeah, time away, right? Well, actually, they have to, and they need to. They need to. It's. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Have to, like, just as a human being, as a person, you need. You need that break to Mm -hmm. recenter yourself and get away from it for a little while. But so we've been we've been managing all of that stuff, of course, and then just being real busy. We had uh, last month was Mm -hmm. a very good month in the mortgage business and a great month for us and. We're super thankful to have the business, but boy, is it busy. Well, that's good. Yeah. But on the other hand, you can't get away, right? It's hard I mean, to get away, right? You can well, get away. Well, we plan vacations far enough in advance that we're not anticipating yeah. or, or knowing what the level of activity is going to be at the time of the vacation. Yeah, you have no idea <laughs> what you're, you know. Probably the best practice would be to just do your vacationing in like, you know, November, December, January. Yeah, that's sure. that's historically the safe time in the mortgage market. But you know, we've got the Fed at work uh-huh. uh, manipulating rates a little bit. We got the Commander in tweet um, firing <laughs> off some tweet. tweets and riling up the world. It seems, and all of those things have led to some crazy uh volatility can i say volatile i mean volatile week and you know what's been difficult to manage for me anyway is i i'm getting bombarded by people either um close to being in process or in process or um and and everybody just has this idea that interest rates have fallen that they've they've just dropped like crazy. I have people calling me right now going, "I hear I can get three and a quarter on a thirty year fix," and I'm like, 
You can't. I mean, not without paying points. And I I see like the news cycle, like some of these articles I read. Um, I have the iPhone, right? No, Dan has an iPhone. Um, when you when you scroll all the way to the left, Apple gives you that like news widget where. It's largely ineditable. They're going to just push news at you. You can kind of pick some of the stuff, but I find that it doesn't work at all. Um, anyhow, I see things in there like headlines that, that get me. I click them all the time. But it says, like this week, it says mortgage rates are falling to historic lows and people still aren't buying houses. What gives? You know, and I'm like, man, that's a little bit deceiving. It doesn't feel that way around here at all. And yeah, interest rates have definitely fallen a little bit, but the day-to-day is like up and down. And with the Fed rate cut, we've seen the 10-year bond, I mean, at one point getting into the 1.6% range, and then I think finishing up this week at the 1.75-ish range. So really, in the last month, we've seen the 10-year shed about 25 basis points worth of yield. And generally, you'd see mortgage rates go right with it, um, but they've been super stubborn. Yeah. I mean, well, we know leading up to this Fed rate cut, which occurred now, what, a a week ago, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, Yeah, um, that that was largely anticipated and built into the market for quite some time ahead of time. And that's another thing that the average consumer doesn't really realize. They hear that the Fed cut rates a quarter point, and they expect that the very next day... What was 4% is now three and three quarters. And that's not how it works. The markets are always forward looking. Generally, we, we believe about six months or so. And so this move by the Fed was largely anticipated, already built into the market. Um, the only way you would have seen a, re- a big there was, market reaction was if they did something other than cut a quarter point. The folks that um, track this and project the anticipate the Fed's move for benefit of all had a hundred percent chance yeah. of rate cut for <laughs> about a month leading into the meeting, and it lived above eighty percent for the prior five months. So it's absolutely anticipated, absolutely priced into the market. Um, but then you're right. The 10-year yield definitely reacted. I mean, it was north of 2%, and then it fell below 1.7. So even, I mean, I'd say it was more like a 35 basis point move at, at the, probably the most extreme, but mortgage rates did not follow. Um, they, they moved down, but I'd say we maybe got 10 to 15 basis points of that movement showing up in the mortgage side, but... You know, the treasury yields obviously were moving a lot farther, faster. No doubt. And, you know, I think slipped into the news. There's this was kind of a lighter news week. Um, I mean, I know we're going to talk about jobs where we're going to talk a lot about the Fed today. um, But did you realize that over this since our Fed rate cut happened at the tail end of the month there in in July, um, we had rate cuts from three of the Asia Pacific Central Bank, um, New Zealand, Thailand, and India all cut their um, their rates just like the U.S. did. Um, the bank of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand had a larger than expected cut. They got the equivalent of that potential fifty basis points cut that we were sort of, you know, I think some of the more um, 
outrageous folks that were going, oh, the quarter is for sure. The half is highly likely. Um, I was <clears throat> honestly, even though everyone said it was 100% chance, I was not convinced that we were going to see the quarter rate cut. I just, I think I'm stuck. I'm beginning to realize I'm not very good at judging what the Fed's going to do. Um, I was really stuck on this idea that, hang on a minute, you can't start cutting rates like this now when you're not in recession because we're already too close to zero from what the historical neutral rate is. And if you do, we're going to be in a world of hurt when the real recession comes and we already got jumpy and, and played our cards before the hand was ready. That's how I felt. Me too. Good thing I'm not in the Fed. <laughs> um, I'd have been the dissenting vote and probably nobody likes me. Um, so I was like, there's no way we get that rate cut, right? Sure enough, we did. Um, and by the way, forward looking, uh, we're pretty confident that we're getting more rate cuts around the corner here. Um, so anyhow, Bank of England, um, they just just this last week decided to hold their rate. So I think a lot of that going on around the world is is really one of the things that's pushing the the American bond market and the interest rates don't really have to track that. They're, this is always a good time to remind people that there's not a direct relationship. This is one of those indirect relationships where um, there's a shared economy in these investment vehicles and there's a shared mindset about the economy and there's a shared sentiment to some degree. But mortgage-backed securities are ultimately set by the, the quantity and quality of the bidders that want to buy them. So just when the Fed's cut rates, it doesn't result in the direct slash of of rates. It can. It in we've also seen times in the past where the Fed's raised rates and we've seen mortgage rates drop on that announcement. Right. So, yeah, there's not a direct correlation. You also have to think of where we are right now. I mean, we're seeing a fair amount of three and a half, three and five eighths, three and three quarters rate locks going through right now. That's not far off of the historical all-time low no. back from when we had the 0% Fed funds rate. Right. Um, so you got to think that, I mean, investors who are ultimately going to put their money into mortgage-backed securities, they need some yield. They That's need right. something. Otherwise, they're not going to invest there. So. It can't just continue to track what the Fed's doing. At some point, it's got to slow a little bit. So, I mean, we're about as low as rates can get unless we are truly in a recession and the Fed's really in a rate cut mode, Yeah, you know, down to zero again. There's been clamor. We don't talk too much about the inverted yield curve here on the show because, um, well, I don't think it's necessarily a complicated thing. But the fact is, is that it's it's been sort of seen as the canary in the coal mine of when these when the yields invert. And what's meant by that really is that you could get a higher percentage yield for a shorter term security. Right. And and kind of to drill down into that a little bit, um, the three month yield is at two point zero two percent, while the five year yield is at one point four four. Okay. That's an inverted yield. That means that the the bet here on the economy is that 
beyond three months from now, it doesn't look great. And if you want that security of a five-year investment, you're just going to have to hunker down into a little bit lower yield and be happy to get it because there's uncertainty on the horizon. That's what's going on within the bond market right now. Um, and like I said, it's sort of the canary in the coal mine because all of the the people that are predicting the market correction love to point to the places in the past where the inver- inverted yield curve preceded a recession. And it's it, it's preceded a recession a lot of the time, more than the majority of the time. But it's not always preceded a recession. So it's like it's like those – Remember at uh, well, I was going to say, do you remember at Quest to College? But you didn't go to Quest to College. Did I did. You? Did I did. you? Yeah. Did you take critical thinking? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't remember what I took. <laughs> they, it, it's those like those all SRP, some SRP or whatever the overlapping circles. You know what I mean? I do. And so. You, I think it was like the categorical imperatives. It's the logic sort of statements about how you can't always define that something works unilaterally both ways. And so this is one of those things where um, the inverted yield curve preceded many recessions, not all of them. So you can't always predict the recession based on the inverted yield curve. And But anyways, we're seeing that now, and we've, seen, we've kind of seen it deepen recently um, – it's kind of an interesting phenomenon, and, and it makes us think that the Fed, the economists, the big the big banks of the world are concerned that, uh, you know, three, six, nine months from now, we might be back in a grind instead of the economic smooth sailing we've had. Yeah, this, I, I feel, I mean, my, I, you know, I'm head down, busy working in our business every day, so I'm not studying this every day. But my my thoughts on it are: it feels like th- on the the home front here, things are okay. Like, I mean, I feel like they're pretty good, um, but it seems like globally, maybe is really where the recessionary pressures and fears are, and just because of how much we how much our economy is connected to other major economies. It's really more yeah. that that's the the issue here is, you know, if China's in a bad spot or if Europe's in a bad spot or whatever, that can affect us now. I don't know that that's always been the case in the past. Well, I picture it kind of like, um, kind of like that game connect Four. you know, there's a big board. There's lots of places to go you've got all the chips and, I've got all the chips and we different colors, right? You have to drop them into the board. And I kind of picture that's what it's like. So you got to add all the little things up. You know, what's going on with China over here? What's going on, you know, with the the Brexit and what's happening here with Russia and what's happening here with North Korea and what's happening here with, you know, the everything that's happening on our soil. And so you kind of add all that up and you have to decide, is this all, does all this stuff play nice in the sandbox and look like we're cruising along with minimal downside? Or is there enough stuff going on between different countries' GDP and different con- countries' debt level and their employment reports and their inflation and their consumer spending? You throw all that into the mix and at some point you um, sort of acknowledge that, wow, there's sort of just a lot of um, a lot of dishes are ready to fall here, and and I think that's sort of when when you look at it that way globally, it's not hard to understand why we're beginning to worry that that headwind is around the corner. 
But I'm with you. I feel like things are pretty good right now. Jobs look good. Stock market's pretty good. Interest rates are low. Housing's good. Um, you know, I don't know. I've accepted the healthcare thing sucks, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> We just got used to it's it. Bad but good. <laughs> it's it's awful, but whatever. Yeah, that's right. We just have to put our pants on and go to work. Yeah, there it is. Anyway, all right, break time. Yep, let's I do think it. So. First commercial break here of the hour. We'll be back in just a minute with more mortgage matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5. The mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending will be back in just a few minutes. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543 low the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast, Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number. 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 with your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Join in on the conversation at 805-543-8830 or 1-800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. No idea there was a song for that statement. I really didn't either. <laughs> Good pull, Jim. <laughs> a true professional. <laughs> Off of Zenyatta Mandata. What is album? Zenyatta Mandata. Hmm. One of their first albums, I believe, when they became popular. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. 
Uh, I've been a rock jock, too, so there we are. <laughs> I think you know. Just I know now why that song's not super popular. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, not, not, it's not very good. I was, see, that couldn't have been one of the singles off the album. Yeah, it wasn't one of their bigger hits, but it does have twenty three thousand views. But you know, but yeah, somewhat. Um, yeah, it's yeah. one of their obscure ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a coming of age song. As far as the uh, the recession talk goes, I think the other thing you know is. This other recession is so fresh in our mind and so so close to our industry because it was so housing centric, you know, housing focused as sure. far as what drove it. Um, that we have to remember too that not every recession is that way. I mean, obviously, housing will take a hit in recessionary times, but um, yeah, the next recession might not look anything like, and probably won't look anything like. Can it? The most recent one. I mean, this recovery. So the last crash and recovery were completely different than any before. Um, And I guess I should clarify comment by that. Um, Seeing basically what I... I could only summarize it now um, succinctly just by saying we experienced a massive and rapid deleveraging of the U.S. economy in, in just about every way, which resulted in the devaluing of every asset by 40 <laughs> to 60%, yeah. depending on the asset class. Wild, right? Um, deep, fast, radical, um, feeling like a free-for-all, really. I mean, and, and fascinating now to think back about the psyche of the average uh, person during that time, especially the recent home buyers of that era. Like if you had bought a house in the preceding three or four or five years, anywhere really, I'd say, yeah, anywhere from probably 2002 to 2006, 2007, um, man, you felt like you just, you'd made the worst financial investment, biggest mistake and potentially unrecoverable, Right. I mean, it felt that way. That idea, like so many people that got into spots where they they got foreclosed on um, or short-sailed or something like that because they had a crazy interest-only or negatively amortizing interest-only loan, just something where the payment was going to go from 1500 bucks a month to 5000 bucks a month at some point down the road. Um, super terrifying. And, and people began their whole the whole way that we think about and consider real estate really changed and i remember having real conversations with people about how it may never actually get back to that price point in our lifetime felt that way didn't it you mm-hmm. remember that it's this is not just me it's harder to remember it now because now of course you know in retrospect it came all the way back and then some and you know uh, Everybody that made that tough decision or really buckled down to hang on through it is all healed from it. Um, and, and the people that didn't, most of them took their lumps, whether it resulted in bankruptcy or just severely damaged credit that they were able to rebuild over time. Um, they're back, right? 
They're, those people's bankruptcies are falling off their credit now. They're eligible for conventional financing again. They're, um, those things are, are ghosts of their past that are, are becoming harder and harder um, to, to identify or remember. And so um, anyhow, I, I think about that, the, the difference then versus now. And, um, man, how different it is. And, and, you know, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the stock market. Like if we woke up in a year or two or three and found the stock market back to 15 or 18,000, zero surprise here. I, I mean, and when I say zero, I'm, I want to say like less than zero surprise. I almost expect it to happen. Um, but housing wise, I don't really see or anticipate the value of housing going down um, very much at all. Uh, I could see market corrections of some stability in prices that went on for a little while or maybe declined 5%, maybe somewhere in there, which by the way, 5% fluctuation in home value, I consider very normal. We can see that from one appraiser to the next. Sure. Um, Two neighbors are going to have a 5% difference of opinion of what their homes are worth, right? So to me, anything around that 5 to 10% arguable bill there is just a difference of opinion, marketing time, who's attracted to your house, why or why not. I, I feel like all of that is all perfectly acceptable, normal, and I expect that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see the big devaluing of housing coming again. Um, if for no other reason than just, you know, all those things, the scarcity of land, labor, materials, um, the expense now we know so expensive to build houses today with the, from what the city, county, state, California Coastal Commission, you know, what everybody wants in terms of the, the planning and the review and the permitting and the quality of the build and the energy efficiency and all that stuff just makes it very expensive. And those things I think are also going to help gird up housing too, even when it gets a little bit more strained. Um, but the other thing about that, so that was, to me, that was part of the, the, the way the crash happened was that was kind of how it was again, a massive rapid radical devaluation of assets, right? We expected the recovery was going to be long. Like I said, the mindset was, would you ever get back to where you were on anything? Be nice to, but don't count on it. Um, and then what we found was once the actual recovery happened, it wasn't that long drawn out U graph that we thought about with a long trough in the bottom. It was a radical V. It was like we were, we hit bottom on a Monday and started rebuilding on a Tuesday. And then come like Friday, we were all good again. <laughs> really weird, right? Never happened before that way in history. Um, who knows why? Right. It's so, funny you describe it that way because as we were recovering, there was all this chatter and complaint about how long a recovery's never taken this long before. Well, the cut <laughs> was never that deep before. Right. I mean, in hindsight, it felt like for for the the hurt we all experienced, understood. it does seem like it understood. Fast. But I guess to make this point though, your house didn't go from five hundred thousand dollars to two fifty and then stay there for a decade. No, it, didn't. it went from five hundred thousand to two fifty, 
and then it went to 275, 300, 325, 350, like almost quarterly for yeah. a three or four year run, right? So it deleveraged rapidly, but it didn't sit and stay at a trough for a long time. Oh, I agree. So, and, th- and that's very different. A lot of those periods are, you know, um, and I remember this how we talked about construction loans and things like that, where, ah, oh, we're going to have to have kind of a long, period of increased certainty and a lot of confidence before we see construction loans come back to market. It's not going to be like, hey, guys, safe now, come out of the shadows and let's do construction loans again. Um, I think that 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 sort of sentiment around the whole housing market was um, what we were waiting for and expecting and didn't take long to realize, hey, you know, things feel like they're getting better. Um how much better they get, we could only hope and pray, but they feel like they're getting a little better. And it just, as we know now, it got better until it was good again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's good. So now it's good. And here we are. Um, yeah. So anyhow, I, we we brought this up and started talking about this because you said, you know, about how previous recessions aren't always tied to housing the way they are. Housing doesn't always perform through recessions the way it did this last time. And the next recession may not look the same. I feel like that whole go round was different than any before the crash and the recovery. And, um, I tend to just want to blame technology. I'm not sure why. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I mean, I had a professor at Cal Poly. I remember said, um, that technology was shrinking the globe. And he proceeded to explain this for a whole lecture. Um, and, and really, I mean, at the, at the most basic part of this is like, you know, think about pre-technology. If you needed to get a letter from Paris to San Luis Obispo, uh, if you were really good at the currents, you could put it in a bottle and <laughs> float it maybe to somebody in Morro Bay who might be able to land it to the right hands. Uh, seems pretty unlikely, right? Um, you could send it by boat, um, you know, all these things take so long. Right. And so in this sense, that technology has made it to where it's like now it's like, well, that's laughable. Right. I mean, we, I could have you in Paris by the end of the day, (laughs) um, and getting faster, you know, now they're talking about planes that are going to be able to cross to Europe in three hours or something. That's the future. That's what our kids are going to experience. But uh, anyhow, that all that technology has just changed the landscape of, of all of the interaction and the news and the up-to-dates. And, I mean, heck, look, recently we've got customer service happening in India while we sleep, right? I mean, those people, it's like, hey, well, let's take advantage of some people that are awake while we're sleeping. And then um, with this technology has so changed things and interconnected us in ways that weren't you just weren't able to be connected in that way before. And I think part of that is like when you add up what's going around in the whole world, what's happening in all these economies, we don't have to guess. We know close the market. We don't have to wait for the, the financial times to come out and tell us what happened to the market. You know, yesterday we know right real time all day, every day. I got an app for that. There may as well be a ticker (laughs) on you, you know, Yeah, we just we know everything always immediately now, and that has to shape sentiment more, right? I mean, one of the things I recognize about me is that I'm I try not to be so reactionary. 
you know? And I learned early on in my career that I caused myself a lot of strife when I acted too quickly. Like, get some bad news and immediately get on the horn and start trying to fix things. And and the 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 more seasoned loan officer in me that's a little bit better at all that is like, catch a little bit of bad news or some headwind and be like, okay, calm down, sit back. What's the fix? What are the likely outcomes? Who are the people that can help? What's the fix? At what point should the people involved be notified of what is happening? Um, so anyways, I used to get myself in these tight spots where out of respect for the other people in the transaction, I would want to just communicate really quickly. And um, now I realize that it's not disrespectful to slow that down a little bit and make sure that you're taking your time to be thoughtful and deductive and and come with the solution and figure all that out before you just go be the alarmist. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, but to me, that's the kind of thing though, right? Is that now we get all the news immediately and we just jump, we just leap. We, you know, we see, we'll see the news hit. Hey, here's consumer spending. Oh man, here's the stock market. How's it reacting? Here's a countdown to the Fed decision. What's going to happen to the bond market? Everybody grab popcorn. And we're just, we just hang on it. And we just wait to be as emotional and impulsive as we can. And not even just about the news on our own soil now, about, but about news around the world. Right? Yeah. And that's, so. that's leading to volatility. So while you've learned your lesson and how to deal with it, <laughs> you see things like the stock market where they're just – so reaction it's screaming it is the reaction it's it's the measure of the reaction around the globe or nationally or you know however to to whatever that yeah. latest news is so that's why i think <laughs> that the next recessions and this is maybe why the fed's getting a little wild now too is realizing that sentiment and um i think just also deferring pain it's like you know well, if you have to have cancer, do you want it in 24 months or do you want it in three months? And you'd be like, well, push it out. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's kind of what the Fed's doing. Let's now, delay that as they, long they as call this They call this a mid-cycle adjustment instead of like a, you know, a panicky rate cut. And I'm like, uh, same thing, really? <laughs> You're afraid that if you don't get out in front of it, we're going to have pain later. And so you're just you're going to try to prolong when the pain's coming. I'm not sure that's right or wrong, but it's just odd to me that the Fed this feels like at least in my cognizant aware life of the Fed and the economy and how it all works, I'm sort of like, dang. Look at the Fed sort of hopping in the middle here going, you know, you're here. This is take some medicine. We think you're going to have a headache tomorrow. <laughs> Like it does but, feel that. But way. what about my liver, sir? Ah, don't worry about your liver. Head's more important. Okay, weird. Take it. Thanks, Fed. So here we are. There we are. All right. You can compare the Fed to the liver and a headache. That's amazing. <laughs> you, you're a genius. You know genius. what I mean, though. You know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Different analogies resonate with different people. Why? So you oh, just yeah. to find different ways to describe it. <laughs> Yeah, do you watch Dr. Pimple Popper? I don't. What? But I know what you're talking about, and please don't even describe it. <laughs> it's just gross. Yeah, it's no, she's constantly talking, like when she's 
doing her, as you can imagine, she has a practice built around Mm-mm. expressing crazy yeah. boils and things. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. She See, always is comparing well, them to Dad, food. What, <laughs> what's, what time is it? Should we what shut time? off Jason's mic? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think it is time for another commercial break. Uh, we're going to continue this very um, graphic discussion, <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, after after these messages from our sponsors. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. It's time to pay some bills. Mortgage Matters will be back in just a few seconds. Join in on the conversation at 805-543-8830 or 1-800-549-5832. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't act fast? The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit, so call AM Sun Solar today at 805 772 6786 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit amsunsolar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786. In the heart of wine country, in one of the top school districts, you can own a brand new, beautiful home, not a condo, a home built by the best, starting at less than $500,000. Introducing Vineyard Creek from Coastal Community Builders, who've been shaping our community for 30 years. Right now, Vineyard Creek has plenty of homes to choose from in both Tuscan and Craftsman styles. But with prices below $500,000, homes are selling fast. Find out more about your new Vineyard Creek Templeton home today at CoastalCommunityBuilders.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543 low the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast, Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328. 358. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 low the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328358. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11. If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcast at centralcoastlending.com. Now, back to the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to don't you cry no more. All right, welcome back. That's that's the anthem for the economy. Carry on, my wayward son. 
See how nicely that works, transitions into your next segment here? Oh, yeah. I I missed the company meeting. Yeah. I was on vacation, and it it just so happened that I didn't make it to the monthly company meeting, so I didn't get to see everybody. Um, Who was the top producer? Um, You were right up there, but... uh... I knew I knew I was going to get beat. I I peaked early. Your own, yeah, um, yeah. Our uh, our loan officer in Ventura. We should do eight or nine loans, ten. ten loans. Dang. Actually, yeah, eleven. Solid. Eleven. Eleven. Yeah, it's good. That's good. A loan officer is making a good living when they're doing ten to eleven loans. Should have Marilyn come up here one day for the show. It's a long haul, but yeah, yeah. I I think she would get a kick out of it. She's been a loan officer for uh, I mean, a long time. She's yeah. twenty. Ooh. 25 years in the industry and she's great at what she does she's a customer first kind of person um she's always been that way she's just she's never about the dollar she's always about the people and that's what drew us to her and her to us and might just be kind of a good to get a perspective of what's going on in that yeah area of the state. maybe a call in would be good because I know you know she lives in down in uh, Ventura or Oxnard mm-hmm. and uh, so that's a long haul to come up here yeah get a hotel just to be on our tiny little radio show yeah but um, but yeah it would it it's good we we stay connected with her um, she she does call into our monthly meetings so that she can stay connected and she comes up for the I was going to call in I was going to call in but there's a there was a 3 hour time difference and um and there's like waves there was and ocean wonderful weather me. so I get so it. I was like you know what I'm going to just let the batteries just keep filling up here Yeah I was, was curious though um because some of those things that I really like about um Getting the vantage point of the whole company is um, just the mix of how much of the loans we funded that were brokered versus banked and underwritten in-house and Most FHA. everything we do is underwritten in-house anymore. Um, there's a couple of, you know, I, I call them fringier loan programs that we offer um, to try to accommodate every customer. But the, and those are the ones that we still would broker out. Something that's more, you know, a property that's ag in nature. Um, something that requires, you know, a bank statement analysis for income. Those are the kinds of things that we'd still broker out. The we focus on the core agency programs. The you know, majority of the year here has been, um, and maybe. We're starting to see more purchases or more refis than purchases again, right? Because of the rate environment. Yeah. And so I'm imagining that this month that went back to the majority of the loans going through were refis. A lot of refis right now. Yeah. And you even started the show, you know, with the a statement about how with all the rate cutting and rates dropping that we're not seeing a pickup in purchase activity and I don't think it has anything to do with rates. You know, it has everything to do with inventory and and prices. Um, that you know, I still have a lot of people that are pre-qualified and out in the market. And um, man, especially in San Luis here, a handful of the couples that I have are on offer like number six, seven, eight, getting beat out. Well, you um, you know, you have a good strong market share when you have a customer who's in contract on a home and then for whatever reason that deal 
falls apart. Either they don't like the house or whatever. Something happens. They don't like it. And then the very same day, you get a rate lock request for that same exact property from right. a different customer. <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've seen that. And yeah, so there's whether it's people wanting to buy their first home, wanting to buy a move up home, wanting to buy an investment property, the demand to buy has not slowed. But the the opportunities, the the homes that fit the needs or wants right. are limited. Yeah. And so that continues to be the problem. In a very unromantic way of looking at it, I always describe the home buying process as a process of elimination. <laughs> <laughs> and people don't love that, especially first time home buyers when they sit down with me and we talk about that and I, I give them my two cents on it. I just want to sort of bring you up to reality quick. I'm one of those people that feels like the better your expectations are, um, the more realistic they are, the better we're all going to be for it. Uh, but <laughs> it's a process of elimination, not only of the homes that don't fit what you want, but also of you eliminating the the automatic disqualifies. Oh, You're yeah. Like, well, maybe I can live with a, a funky floor plan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I could fix when that later. When you first set out, you're like, oh, there's no way I'd live in one of those houses that has X, right? And then a few months in and a few like broken dreams, like missed escrows or whatever, or maybe the perfect house that turns out to have a foundation issue or something. Next thing you know, they're like, well... That non-negotiable item is now like perfectly negotiable. Um, I always laugh too. You like you've seen those things on the internet of like the the TV show um, where they're like, you know, she is a book collector and he is like a you know something else that doesn't make any money. And together they're looking for a house in Austin, and their wish list is like a you know, an island kitchen and a four car garage on two acre spread. And I'm like, Hey, these people aren't even financeable. B that wish list is unbelievable. Um, you know, it's like, I'm just thinking they must have a whole lot of inventory out there to be able to be that picky because around here, man, you would have come up with it. What do you need? What do you need? All right, I need a place. That's, that's what, first and foremost. I, I need, need a this house. many bedrooms. Yep. Yeah. That, even that's like three bedrooms would be um, that'd be good. We I could probably think. get by with two large bedrooms, but it'd be painful, and we'd be looking to move within five to seven years. Okay. What else? <laughs> Love wanna, to have a garage. Want a dining room? Okay, eat-in kitchen will work. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. You guys have seen those like tray tables that put in front of the couch, right? Yeah, I always um, think it's funny how they have the mini home shows, but but we'd like to have a game room. Yeah, game corner. Game rooms outside. It's horseshoes. Get out there <laughs> in your exactly. four hundred square foot house. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, around here you're you're gonna go out and and look. At those houses, and then you're they're going to be a process of elimination, right? Some of those are like you walk in and you're like, no, there's no way I could live here for this reason or this odor or just some vibe you get out of a place. Or maybe it's the neighbor with their four cars broke down in the yard and, mm -hmm. you know, unleashed pit bulls everywhere or something. You never know what it is about a property kind of until you start to get into it and you see it and you feel it, but it becomes a process of elimination. And sadly in our market where you're about to spend five to $900,000 on a house, um, sometimes you're just settling on one and gosh, that 
It's a lot of money to be settling. <laughs> but it's what you do. That's the entry level of our market. Yeah, but that's where you're going to get in. And um, it's pretty brutal, but everybody goes through it. And, uh, you know, hopefully later down the road, you'll be able to be a move up where you can sell your house and get a place that has an actual dining room because that's important to you and how you like to use your house. Well, and, and there's that's what I've noticed lately, um, you know, in my neighborhood and just kind of browsing the realtor.com app and stuff like that is when you get over the 900,000, you know, into that million plus category, even the high nines. Homes are are sitting a, a lot longer, so you can be a lot more oh, discerning, picky, sure. whatever you want to call it. Um, but I've, you know, there's a well, you've got to be something special to be in a nine hundred thousand dollar house. Yeah, and let's be honest about it. You either gonna have you're a move up buyer who's cashing in on three or four hundred thousand dollars worth of equity, which by the way. Totally could have got if you bought a house for four hundred thousand dollars in slow in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Could be worth nine hundred grand today, and you know you might might be worth six hundred grand, seven hundred grand. And so you look at it and you are like, "Cool, I just made four hundred thousand bucks. Now I can go out and buy a nine hundred thousand dollar house out in Morro Bay, have a reasonable payment, put a down payment down." But man, there is not that that guy's not all over the place, and. A lot of that buyer, though, a lot of that person is looking at their tax base too. Prop thirteen over yeah. here bought this house for four hundred grand. Yeah, it's worth seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars. That's very different than going and buying a nine hundred thousand dollar house where property taxes are going to more than double. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal, you know. People, this I would say with first time home buyers, especially if you're using Zillow calculators and other online tools, this is one of the places where people's expectations fall well out of alignment. When you make less than a 10% down payment on conventional loan, you have to have an impound account. It's non-negotiable. When you do an FHA loan, have to have an impound account. When you do a VA loan, have to have an impound account. So the only time impound accounts really optional is for people that are putting more than 10% down into a conventional loan. Now they can decide whether or not they're going to have their property taxes and their homeowner's insurance impounded into their loan. But people mess this up. They're using the online calculator to start looking at $500,000 houses, and it doesn't really say anything about the property tax. And so they come in believing that that payment's two grand a month. And they sit down. I'm like, mm, you forgot the $600 a month property tax and the $100 a month homeowner's insurance. And in some cases, the $200 mortgage insurance. Um, so the way those things stack out, right? Um, so anyhow, th- that move up buyer, sometimes that person's just paralyzed because of the tax basis is just like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, the other thing, too, is that now we're seeing a little bit more pressure come on into that move up market because interest rates have softened a little bit. If you had that house, say you were that guy that bought that house in slow for $500,000 in 2010, and now it's worth $800,000, and you're like... I will, I'm willing to buy a $1.1 million house now and parlay my money into the next one. If you have that $500,000 house at three and a quarter percent financing, and then you're coming to see us to be a move up buyer and the interest rate last year was five and a quarter. <laughs> now it's not such a big deal. <laughs> well, when it went from three and a quarter to five and a quarter sure. and your tax base is going to go from 500000 to $1.1 million, whoa, this is all adding up fast. And, and they're like, I'm out of here. But- now when they're coming in, they're seeing they can get an interest rate in the high threes. Okay, giving up a little bit. You're going from three and a quarter to three and three quarters. And and you know you're going to have a tax increase, but 
it is what it is because you you're willing to do that to get into the bigger house. So some of those people are starting to come back out now because rates have dropped more. Um, so that's nice, but it's still just a lot of pressure on every angle of the market. There aren't too many houses that are just sitting around unless there's something really wrong with them or they're really overpriced. Mm-hmm. And so we just we see people um, just get worn out still by the process. They're on their sixth or eighth offer, arguing, you know, competing, having that feeling. It's been many years since you've done this, but that thing where you're like, you look at a house and you're like, oh, a house will work. We like it. We like it, right? Yeah, we like it. You start kind of talking yourself into it. You're like, it's 700 grand. And so you're freaking out a little bit. It's like, geez, that's so much money. And what if I'm the idiot that buys and the market crashes? And oh, if you lose 10% of 700 grand, that's like 70,000 bucks. That's more money than I make in a year. You just start sort of having this inner turmoil where you freak out. And then finally, you're like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Write an offer for 700,000. And then you find out that there's four other offers and the place is going for 740. And you're like, ooh. Well, no, we were barely in for seven hundred, so we're out of here. <laughs> and then the next place comes on, and it's offered for seven forty. And you're like, dude, now what? So you just are you're in this emotional. It's exhausting, and you see the competition in this market here in Slow County. It's almost at every price point. Like you said, it slows down a little bit above nine hundred grand, you know, above a million dollars, but it's still pretty tight. And it's just exhausting. People get worn out. And all the while, they feel like they're settling, you know? It's pretty wild. But, hey, the good news today, I'm bringing you guys the good news, is that interest rates are pretty good. So if there's any upside to it when you're making your pros and cons column, you can, in the cons, you can put limited inventory, high prices, um, features you don't love. In the pros column, write down Great interest rates and circle it twice. And then, you know, at least we'll be there to help you with that. <laughs> yeah. It's like I said, it's not far off of those historical lows. I, th- I can recall a deal or two where we got someone the sub 3% 30-year fix, but those that was very short-lived. Yeah. So we're hovering in the mid to high threes. It's, this is good stuff. Feeling all right. All right, we got the top of the hour commercial break here. We'll be out for about five minutes, and we'll be back for another whole hour of Mortgage Matters, and we hope that you will join us. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11. If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcast at centralcoastlending.com. Now, back to the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Or Journey or Boston. Boston. More than a feeling. It's like one of those. I 
know some people that are all into those bands, and I'm not. Never was. And this is a song everybody knows, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like... Rock well, Anthem. There it is, yeah. There you are. You Hair band. band. Yeah. Hair band. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's pretty good music, though. I mean, that's yeah. great music, yeah. And great production. I mean, yeah. it's a, no surprise that that song's probably known among the top 100 songs of the world of all time. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. I don't I mean, even know all the words, but I know how to, like, bluff the melody to it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know how. You know, and you know the head banging part of it, and you know the mellow part of it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. It's good. It's a good song. It's kind of like, well, you know, the Grateful Dead. Not everybody's into it, but a lot of people know the songs. So there you are. Right? Cool. Nice pull. Thank you. Then we'll get a Deadhead song coming up in the next break. Love it. Yeah. Well, here we are. Hour number two. Hour number two. Um, we, we walked out as usual and just kept on talking, <laughs> right? <laughs> in the green room through the break. But um, I, I had other questions that I was saving for you when we got back on oh, the okay. air. Um, so you mentioned there's some of the fringier stuff that we broker, like ag loans. But also there's some like, I mean, we call them non-QM, which is the non-qualified mortgage, which is the um, doesn't meet the standard documentation requirement for one one reason or another. Um, like a bank statement loan or something. And I'm starting to see more investors offer bank statement loans. They kind of freak me out a little bit. Um, I just remember bank statement loans from last time and remember how I was like, well, wait a minute. If the money's going through your bank account, how come you can't qualify? Um, but there's there's unique situations and circumstances. And I think that the new bank statement loans are a little bit more discerning about what's out there and you know who they're giving loans to. And, and at least there's some documentation. Yeah. But sure. yeah, it's interesting. I, we we have a number of outlets for these non-qualified mortgages, which M- Mike points and I, I think one of the shows while you were gone, we spent a little time talking about what a qualified mortgage is and what a non-qualified mortgage sure. is. Um, so anyway, it's it's basically anything that do, that falls outside of the agency box and is also not just your jumbo a paper type loan. Um, it's something alternative documentation, and and so we we actually brought on a new investor, one of the big non QM players in the space. Um, and and so I went through a training with them this week, and it was interesting. You know, every, this is where banks can have their own flavor their own twist on how to their niche craft these it's loans yeah. this is an agency where it's dictated by the government and then from there everyone abides by those rules um this is different this is more proprietary in nature and um this particular investor was telling me about their bank statement loans and how you know we we have become accustomed to the bank statement loans they have depending on the job classification they apply an expense factor to those bank statements assuming you're using business bank statements because that's where you receive your gross deposits and then um you know you work real hard with your accountant to make your income as low as possible for tax purposes but for Mortgage qualification, that becomes a problem. So this is where non-QM cheater, cheater. fills a niche. Yeah, you're basically admitting that you're 
cheating on your tax returns. Hey, I can afford your loan. I <laughs> right. just can't qualify because I'm not honest. Right. So, so just give me a loan based on my character. So it's based on <laughs> your gross deposits and then applying an expense factor. And then right. that's the qualifying income that you would use. Well, this particular investor, they allow you to just produce a P&L. Oh, to determine your expense factor, which to me is like bordering on stated income now. Yeah. Now we're bordering yeah. on stated income. What are your expenses? Well, what should they be? Right. I mean, so you're telling me I can produce any kind of unauditable P&L. No, it turns out that's not the way it works. They actually look at the bank statements to determine your P&L. Okay. Um, but still, it's based on a P&L. They have the known exclusive. Uh, you know, types of deposits that are excluded um, or expenses that are excluded. But still, there's some room to um, massage the numbers, if you will. Yeah, and I'm, I've been involved. I, I haven't been the loan officer of a bank statement loan yet. Um, it'd have to be a real repeaty customer of mine or a real strong, like referred from one of my real strong referral partners for me really to get in the weeds of learning that and doing it. I mean, there's some loan officers in our company that have done a dozen of them so far and are... I'd say as a company, we probably close one to two a month. Yeah. Um, so it's not a high percentage at all of our business. But bottom line is I've, I've been able to see a few of them and, and kind of hear the stories on them. And usually they're, um, you know, like here's one, for example. There's a gal who got in she was in pharmaceutical sales and very successful banked a lot of money and then was done not ready to retire yet she'll buy a property where she's gonna um breed these dogs and it was some special breed of dog that the the puppies would sell for like five thousand dollars a piece and um she was taking orders out into the future and in six months worth of being open she had already had receipts for like $100,000 in dog sales. And she's nowhere near qualifying for a conventional loan with her half a million dollars in the bank and her six months worth of bank statements of having sold, you know, $100,000 worth of pups. I mean, look at the thing from common sense. I'm like, you, what kind of dogs are those? And I'm going to get two of them and start breeding them myself. That's how I felt about it. It looked like a no-brainer. There's no way this gal's qualifying for any sort of a qualified mortgage. So she does one of the bank statement loans. Um, cool. They sort of do a P&L, right? Look at the bank statements, make sure it all justifies it makes sense. Also, big reserves to help make up for it. They could ex they could apply an expense factor to the income and cozy up to it. Interest rate a little bit higher than the standard conventional loan, but she's able to buy the house she wanted for the you know, the operation of, of animal breeding. And so that was one where I was like, okay, I get it. Um, not, she wasn't necessarily a cheater. She just didn't have the full track record of all the verifiable way of, of making that self-employment income make sense. Another scenario where you would fall into that non-qualified mortgage category is a higher debt ratio. Sure. You know, conventional loans cap out at 50% debt to income ratio, but when so, so someone who is at a 55% debt-to-income ratio, they can't get a conventional loan. But think about what that means, right? It means you're spending 55% of your gross income on your housing or on all your debts, really. 
Um, but it could be just your housing. But a 55% debt ratio for someone who makes four grand a month is very different from a 55% debt ratio of someone who makes $10,000 a month. Sure. There's a lot more discretionary income. Well, and the other thing I was going to say about that wages. too is that, and when we first started doing bank statement loans back in the day, you had to be self-employed. Um, and I know today it's mostly self-employed, it's but self- they'll deviate a little bit yeah. from it. Uh, but here's the deal though, is you've got on a, on a, it's a little bit unfair qualification wise, where if you're, let's say Jim's a wage earner and Jim on a W2 gets $10,000 a month gross. Okay. That's the number we'll use to qualify him. His gross number Well, on his W2 t- Jim's not getting a paycheck for $10,000 a month. Paycheck for like sixty five hundred. Sixty five hundred. And that's if he's not contributing to his health care and his retirement and his other things. But we don't take any of that in consideration. On the self employed guy, you might be over here taking self employed making one hundred and twenty grand a year, but you're you're going to apply all of your expenses. You're going to run the whole thing down, and so that number that you report on your tax is really net income to you. And that's what we use to qualify you. We don't work off of the gross receipts, which is closer to what the gross income is for a wage earner. So it can be a little bit unfair to that W-2 person or to that self-employed person compared to that W-2 person. So I can see how it it can make a little bit of sense there for those people that are um, self-employed at the edge and just not quite fitting right into the bucket. Mm -hmm. Um, We've also had situations too where – um, there are people that own multiple businesses that are all sort of similar in nature, but different entities. And some of them may not have the full history, though they may have good cash flow because they're sort of interdependent on one another. Those kind of things can lead you into needing one of these non-QM loans. So anyways, those loans are out there and they're possible. Like you said, we're doing one or two of them a month. So it's not a huge volume of business. Um, but going down the line here of the business that we did this last month, how much of it was Govy business, FHA type of? The FHA stuff's picked up a little bit. Um, you know, there's right now with the rates falling, if someone bought with an FHA loan and put minimum down, it's, you know, they can't necessarily get out of the mortgage insurance world because they don't have the equity yet. Because the purchase was so new, but with the rates falling, they can do streamlined refinances, yeah. which are basically, you know, low documentation. Just we're gonna, we already know you qualified for the loan before. We're gonna just streamline you, meaning we don't need to look at your tax returns again. We don't need to do an appraisal again. We're yeah. just gonna get you the lower rate, and you're gonna save money. It's gonna be great. So we're doing a lot of that kind of stuff. VA has a similar type of refinance opportunity called the EARL. Um, the interest rate reduction loan. The interest rate reduction refinance loan. Refinance loan. There's three course. R's in yeah, the EARL. I skipped that <laughs> refi R, R <laughs> yeah. because it's only applicable Seems to redundant. refinance loans. <laughs> um, we get so many calls for construction loans. We do. How many of those are we funding? Uh, not too many. I mean, we'd maybe do one a month. But yeah, I, I think with the number of calls that come in on a construction loan, um, I, I think a lot of people have this idea that they, you know, I'm not finding the perfect house. I'm right. going through this process of elimination, process of, you know, really 
really understanding what my true disqualifiers are and, and what I can live with. How about I just build something? Yeah, and and so a lot of people land on this idea, well, maybe it's just better to buy a, a piece of dirt and build exactly what I want. And then they realize that, man, I'm going to end up spending you know 20% more than if I just bought the home that's got maybe the one funky quirk I, I didn't want, right. but I can deal with it. Well, so, and, and the whole process, then you got to deal with the timeline and the yeah. the planning the tricky thing is getting through all that that municipal red tape to get to a point where you can satisfy the lender that what you want to do is not only possible but uh, almost shovel ready in terms of the the local jurisdiction um and and the at the same time you know i i look at those and the people that are going to have the easiest time with getting one of today's construction loans are the ones that really already own their land um, if you already own your land, you're gonna have a pretty easy time. You're, yeah, you're gonna have the timeline of walking through whatever's going on at the city or county to get through their process. But in terms of getting the loan and having the time and the space to be able to do it, you're gonna be able to do it and be just fine. It's the people that are trying to buy the lot with the one-time closed construction loan, um, where you gotta sort of get all that stuff to mesh into one and be able to get through that whole process pretty quick. It's pretty difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not impossible, but it's pretty difficult to do. Um, my experience is the people that are really, they either own the land or they have a bunch of money. And, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm just looking to borrow about 50% of this project. Oh, that's easy. Now, what about the timing? You know, how are you doing on the plans and the permits? And that person's usually pretty far down that road, too. If you don't own the land and you want to figure out how to make this all easier, some of the strategy I think is a good idea is to try to wrap it up with a seller financing on the lot where during that 12-month period where get the seller to carry it and make some payments to the seller while you get your permits and your plans in place and get all ready to rock, and then you can pull the trigger on your construction loan to pay off that seller financing and break ground and get through the whole thing. So we're seeing a little bit more of that, but that's still pretty few and far between. Um, the regular old bread and butter has still just been the conventional loans. Lots of those going on around here. Mm-hmm. Um We've seen a lot of VA loans too. Yeah, a lot of VA lately. Yeah, uh, and I don't know why. I mean, we're not I really we... advertising any differently. I think people are just starting to catch on that we're a pretty cheap place to do a VA loan. Yeah, and and those veteran guys know each other, right? I, so yeah. they all talk. I know. And I feel we must be on like a a lunchroom board somewhere in a at a base or something. Let's hope so. I don't Let's know. Let's hope so. But yeah, doing a lot of VA. All right, um, commercial break time. Let's do it. The only, I mean, I like to take some time out to thank the sponsors, of course. These spots mm. are important to us, but I also love hearing what you're going to pick for coming back from the break. Okay. So, all right. I think, I think we've got but, something But, hey, up. no pressure. Pick something I love, but no pressure. I'm sure that you're going to love what I got coming back from the break. <laughs> right on. All right. Quick break. We'll be back here in a minute with more Mortgage Matters. Stay tuned. More from the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending in just seconds. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't act fast? The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit, so call AM Sun Solar today at 805 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit amsunsolar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786. In the heart of wine country, in one of the top school districts, you can own a brand new, beautiful home, not a condo, a home built by the best, starting at less than $500,000. Introducing Vineyard Creek from Coastal Community Builders, who've been shaping our community for 30 years. Right now, Vineyard Creek has plenty of homes to choose from in both Tuscan and Craftsman styles. But with prices below $500,000, homes are selling fast. Find out more about your new Vineyard Creek Templeton home today at CoastalCommunityBuilders.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 with your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Join in on the conversation at 805-543-8830 or 1-800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Sweet. Nice pick. Yeah, good one, huh? I uh I've had several clients. I've had several clients come into the office that told me that they listen to the show and they like the show, they like us. Yeah. But specifically, like, sought me out because of the dead. Yeah. That's cool. See? Good. See? See, but, you know, we were talking at last break about maybe the band, you know, but everybody knows trucking. Everybody likes trucking. Oh, for sure. I could go to a Grateful Dead concert and know this song, for sure. So, you know, it's a big hit. Yeah. Right? That's fun. So there's some songs that I may not know exactly what the next word is, but I know the song. There it is. All righty. We were talking all about loan stuff. Oh, I was going to... I was going to zig and you zagged. 
when we were talking about the FHA loans and you brought up the Streamline product. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Streamline's a, a, one of the, the avenues FHA has for you where if you can just save money on principal and interest, they do a reduced documentation. You know, there's a way to do it with no appraisal. Kind of, Basically, it's like a, a no credit score, credit report. Make sure that you've made at least six payments on your loan on time. And then if you're saving the minimum amount of savings that they want you to save, they'll allow you to redo the loan. And so sometimes people are getting that. We've been doing that for some people. Uh, But also, we had some people that bought houses like a year ago with an FHA loan because they only had 3.5% down. Um, And then now that rates have dropped a little bit, uh, they're able to look at doing a conventional loan. And there's a f- just a few perks to it. Um, number one is that if you did a minimum down FHA loan, one of the things you have to remember is that your mortgage insurance is going to last for the whole life of the loan. And the mortgage insurance factor on a minimum down payment loan like that is is 0.85% a year which is directly equivalent to interest. So if you have a 4% FHA loan and you're paying 0.85% mortgage insurance factor for the whole life of the balance of that loan, you're going to always be paying 4.85% in that interest and and insurance cost. If you can get into a conventional loan today – because rates have dropped a little bit, right? If you can get into a conventional loan where you might be able to get a 4% interest rate and maybe even a 07 or a 0.8% mortgage insurance factor, you're going to line up kind of almost dollar to dollar. It'd be pretty similar, but the big difference is, is that the conventional mortgage insurance stops. And it stops when you have the equity, um, which can happen not only by you making payments over time, uh, but also it takes into consideration market appreciation. And so you could literally find yourself in a spot in two years where you could get rid of your mortgage insurance if the market keeps behaving. Um, and then at that point, you'd be going to an actual effective interest rate of 4%. And so um, we really look at that. If you have an FHA loan, we're going to look at a conventional loan too with the rate and the mortgage insurance. If they're equal or better into the conventional world, you should give it strong consideration. Unless you know you're leaving in a couple of years, you have some other plan about how or when you're going to get out of it. But that's really something to look at. So um, that was the handful of the refis that I started marketing to right when you know rates started to drop was just looking at any of those people. It's a no-brainer for me. If you have an FHA loan, you know, and a couple of them, like I did one for a buddy in Templeton who he bought his house with an FHA loan, 3.5% down, a little gift from mom and dad and the rest of his savings and rubbing pennies together to get in. And then we thought he probably had 10% equity, but I priced it and structured it where I just hoped he had five. And it turned out he had five. He'd only had his house for less than a year, but he had a little bit of appreciation and it was enough to move us over into the conventional world. And that refi resulted in a saving of interest, a saving in the mortgage insurance, and he's saving like 300 bucks a month, but we got him out of that FHA world into that conventional world where the mortgage insurance is going to stop once the property value, you know, keeps going. Mm-hmm. So 
um, you know, that there's a lot of that too. Like I said, sometimes those people don't have that opportunity. Like if you got into a loan where you got an FHA loan at three and a half, and so with your mortgage insurance at 0.85, you're still at, at, you know, 4.35 and you look at the conventional loan and it might be four plus some mortgage insurance of 0.8 or something. You're probably not going to do that. You're going to be hopeful and waiting that things drop and get better and at window opens for you. But at the same time, you might look at that FHA, um, streamline refi and go, wait, super easy, no appraisal. You know, limited fees, all that kind of thing. Just tuck me in and drop my rate down, and um, yeah, you you could save some money there. So there's not really a one size fits all solution. If you have interest in looking at it, um, this is pretty much what we're doing all day, every day, and on the weekends too. Is just fielding these phone calls of, you know, and essentially, you know, I think it looks something like this: is hey, here's my mortgage statement. Um, that's pretty much all I need. Obviously, I can't tell you if you qualify or not, but you go, here's my mortgage statement. I can look at that and say, okay, I see what you got, the product, the presence of the, the mortgage insurance or not. Um, help us sort of size it up a little bit. We're doing so many loans now that we've gotten pretty professional at estimating values of houses around the county. So we have a pretty good idea of what your appraisal would come in for if we need one. Um, and we're looking at that stuff and just figuring out whether or not then you make the next step. If I could look at it and say, hey, what it looks like to me is it looks like you're going to save two or $300 a month and let's take the next step of doing an application and drilling down a little bit farther where we'll run your credit, you know, start, start a real process and, and get it closer. Um, we've, we've had plenty of that. Um, I've also gotten pretty good, um, at tricking the, the system a little bit lately too is, doing some of these refis for people that bought houses in the last year where they they aren't a minimum down payment problem they don't have mortgage insurance and rates have just gotten you know 3 eighths or a half a point better than what they got um now when i do the deal if you don't need the house to have appreciated at all you do it for the same as what they bought it for or $10,000 less and then the system kicks out an appraisal waiver so those ones make a refi really simple is, um, I mean, you're going to save 500 bucks. You don't have to deal with having the appraisal in. You don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to appraise or not. Um, if it's just a function of hitting that number and getting a waiver and then dropping your interest rate. So I say that um, tricking the system a little bit, and it's only just using good common sense. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people that go, well, I bought my house a year ago for 750 and I think it's worth 800 now. Cool. There's no benefit to us trying to push that envelope. If we say 800, it's going to tell us to appraise it. If I say 750, we're going to get a waiver. Let's get on the 750 wagon here and save the save the time and energy and money. Just this week, I was um, sitting down with our underwriting manager talking about some of the things that are frustrating in our business. And one of them is the appraisal requirement on a rate and term refinance. A rate and term refinance means you're not you're not taking cash out of your home you're just getting a better payment you're lowering your payment you're i mean there are some instances where maybe 
your payment's going up, but it's because you're shortening the term because you're in a financial position to do so. You 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 make enough money um, that higher payment isn't a burden on you. Um, and it's yeah, we've talked about it on this show before. <laughs> His statement was, "I don't understand why we continue to require or why we meaning." Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, etc., why they continue to require appraisals on rate and term refinances. You're increasing the likelihood of repayment of this loan that's already guaranteed uh, or insured by the government agency under which it was underwritten and, you know, closed. So if, if we're making the likelihood of repayment better, why are we ever requiring appraisals on rate and term refinance? It's getting better because, um, well, for a few reasons. Number one is the system today is set up to where appraisals are uploaded into the system. We're on about year five of this. And so what we've been able to figure out as loan professionals that have been in it since before this new system was rolled out is – you're you probably are going to get a waiver if you're not taking cash out like you're describing that rate and term refi but also if there was an actual appraisal done within the last 5 years and then secondly if you're not trying to claim it's worth a lot more than it was at the last appraisal and again sometimes there's no need at all to inflate the value even and, and I shouldn't even say inflate to to use the actual expected value if you can just suggest that more conservative value because what's happening is the system is looking at historical data and I think the first checkbox within this and and by the way none of us know what the total logic is but I think if I was going to make my best guess here at final jeopardy I think the first piece of data is when was it last traded, you know, from seller to buyer and was there an appraisal and what was that value? Um, if that appraisal came in and it was deemed acceptable, the loan went on to fund and the transaction was actually consummated, then there's some confidence that that was a good appraisal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then second punch boxes and what are you trying to say has happened since then? And you know, if you're going to say that it went up by ten or twenty thousand bucks in a year, um, that's probably okay. But again, do you need it to? Because if you don't need it to, you're going to be closer to getting the waiver. If you're saying, "Oh, we bought the house two years ago for seven fifty, and today I'm just calling it seven fifty. That's fine with us. If that's what it's worth. That's all good. We're just trying to get a lower rate." Um, so. And then also the next piece to it is I think is going to be re- is in relationship in the neighborhood. You know, think Shell Beach. I mean, heck, even like your area in Morro Bay, you can have a ridiculous like does some movie star live there house next to a little old beach bungalow that hasn't been touched in 40 years. Um, that there's not a lot of confidence in that neighborhood. And, and again, because they're getting all of the data from all of the transactions, they see that and they go, Hey, this is a really eclectic area where we go from really expensive houses, really small houses that aren't worth Mm -hmm. as much. And it's all over the place. So that those areas are going to just sort of have some geographic uncertainty to them. And it's not anything personal directed at your property, um, but it'll just fire back and say, hey, we're we're not super confident versus switch over here to one of these new developments in slow that's like three, four years old. 
man, the houses are all the same. We're mm-hmm. seeing some of them have sold once or twice now. The prices are pretty predictable. The upgrades are all very similar. Um, you know, if you are buying or selling a house on Sage, you're likely going to get a waiver because there's a lot of confidence. There's a there's a lot of um, conformity in that neighborhood that that results in confidence when we're trying to decide whether or not you should get a waiver. That I was just going to point out your 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 comparison there in Shell Beach. You have the Chapman Estate in Shell Beach, <laughs> right. but then you know three three houses down, you know one of the side streets, you got to fix your upper. Yeah, sure, yeah. So yeah. different. And that's one of the things, not only is the the data of the appraisal report being uploaded to the agencies now for their evaluation, um, but the appraisal data is also run through its own appraisal engine where it's given a score, right. this confidence score that you're talking about. So yep. the data goes in as well as this assigned confidence score. So it does help. And I, I do see that it's improving, that we're getting better at not necessarily needing appraisals on on these refinances where the only thing that's occurring is you know, lowering a payment right. or increasing likelihood of repayment in one way or another. Well, and you know, and like I said before, is I think it has a little bit to do also with, with the experience and um, professionalism of the loan officer because you can screw around – and miss that opportunity to get that waiver. You can also get a waiver and then lose it by monkeying around with things that um, you know f- are filed under. Hey, what happens if? <laughs> so I, I try to, um, you know, we all of our loan officers are pretty skilled up in understanding how to get that highest likelihood of getting that waiver, um, and then also being real careful after that. This, Let's do one more touch on this thing. When we're going to firm up all the final income numbers and all the all the stuff in the end, we want to be able to run this engine that determines whether or not you get this waiver. We want to run it two times: once in the beginning, once in the end. If you're running it five, six, seven, eight times during the process, because you know you you don't know any better, those are the you're monkeying around and might just lose that waiver. Um, so anyhow, that's a a little bit about that. We are ready for the next break. Can you believe it? Man, time flies. This is the final break. The final break of the show. We only have 20 minutes at this point. Crazy, huh? That's wild. Yep. All right, let's do it. Final break here. Be back in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5. The mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending will be back in just a few minutes. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543 low the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast, Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number. Number three two eight three five eight. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11. If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcast at centralcoastlending.com. Now, back to the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we've been talking loans. We started a, started out here talking economics, which led right into to loans. Um, we had a busy month, right? We had the best month we ever had before in the month of July. It was um, we did. It's a record smasher. A record smasher. Um, the The units volume for July was almost double the monthly unit average of 2018. Yeah? Yeah. Close to it, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, which is pretty wild. And we really, we haven't, I mean, we've added some staff. The The shape and dynamic of the company has changed a little bit, but not doubled. No. Um, so it's it's largely just due to the economy. Um, and this is why, you know, I, I just kind of want to make this point to everybody is um, there's a whole lot of uh, no-brainer refi opportunity right now that um, I think a lot of people should really be looking at. And it's not just about, um, you know what? I'll tell you, I refinanced my own loan last month. And you know what I did? I did a weirdo. Um, I didn't do a, I didn't want to do a 30 year fixed because I didn't want to go to 30 years again. I did like a 27 year loan on my house. Um, I just wanted to be like, I don't, I don't want to lose any of the progress that I'm making. And yeah, I would have saved more money, but that wasn't the ultimate goal. Um, so some of those people, um, one of the loans I quoted last night was same thing was for, uh, some people that I know that wanted to lower, they have a four and a quarter interest rate and said, Hey, we, 
you know, just want to get a lower payment. So I said, well, you, I, I get that. You're going to get a lower payment because you're going to go from, you know, they're going to go from like three and a quarter to like three and five eighths or something. So you're going to get a lower payment. But do you want to go back to 30 years? And they were like, not really. So I said, well, it's been two years since the last loan you got. So, you know, I gave them a quote for a 28-year loan. And it it that can take all of the guilt out of refinancing. If you know, hey, well, look, I would have saved 225 a month, but it stretches out over that two years. So as it is, I'm only going to save 180 bucks a month. But some of that savings is just because you're re-amortizing over a longer period again. Mm-hmm. So try to keep your balance as low as possible and keep your term lined up. Um, that's a good deal. And then also, um, you know, some right now, some of you guys need to consider looking at a 15-year loan, you know? So some of those loans you mentioned earlier in the show, people got a 3%-ish 30-year fixed. Um, when was that? 2011? Something like that. So you might be you might be in that boat where you've got 22 years left to go and you can get a sub 3% 15-year loan now. If you're if you're 8 years into that loan, you've lost most of your write-off on that loan. Most of the interest, I mean it's like 25% of the interest write-off happens within the first 5 years. So you're it's diminishing after a point and um so maybe you want to look at doing a 15-year loan. Um so a lot of the time I tell people, like especially when we're just doing this general kind of call to action here on the show, say it's it doesn't hurt to look at it. Call us up and say, hey, here's my mortgage statement. What do you think I should do? And, you know, we can talk to you a little bit about what your options are and then also what are your objectives. Now, every now and again, we run across somebody that's self-employed, say, hey, the only way I'm ever going to retire is when I pay my house off. Cool. We should prioritize that now then, right? Get that rocking. So um, for a little while there, I was saying if you had an interest rate over four and a half, you should be calling. Um, No brainer. If you have an interest rate over four and a half, you should be calling. Okay? No doubt. If you have – so that was – that was the no-brainer bar. We got to move that bar now down to about four and an eighth. If you have an interest rate over four and an eighth, you should be calling. Um, again, just explore your options. If you have mortgage insurance of any fashion um, and you have an interest rate over four and an eighth, you hurry up and call. Like, make haste. That's an 8 a.m. Monday morning thing. You are well in the the boat here of um, figuring out how to get yourself into something better. A lot of people don't realize that mortgage insurance is, I mean, yeah, it's required when you have less than 20% equity, but it's deeply discounted for every 5% of equity you do have. So maybe you don't have the whole 20% equity since you bought the house. Maybe you put 5% down, but now you have 15% equity. You get mortgage insurance at that point that's less than 100 bucks a month, and it's going to cancel soon, right? So l- just looking at those opportunities, how you can whittle it down and save money. Um, and you know, other people, if you got a second, if you somehow – some way still have an adjustable rate loan, you know, so all these different reasons, but um, I just really want people to have the sense that you can give us a call 
and then just um, have a, a pretty quick and easy conversation about what it looks like to be able to do uh, a refi for you or not. Um, yeah. By the way, I was going to say, when we have five loan officers doing their own refinances, you know interest rates are low. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing that I was going to say, too, is that um, when when we talk about rates, too, the other thing you got to know is that there's not really a one-size-fits-all for you. Um, the interest rate that you're going to get has to do with credit score, property type, um, loan amount, balance, presence of a second lien or not. So all of this stuff all goes into the pricing engine and there's adjusters. I mean, as I mean, Dan, you're intimately familiar with the way that this stuff all works, but a lot of people just don't understand. There's, there's spreadsheets that are built around little ads and subtractions and little things that go for every different scenario. So, um, you know, when you hear somebody talk about, oh, well, I was able to go and get 3.625 at my lender, um, man, that that's probably in this market, that's probably, I mean, A, it could be somebody that's paying some points. B, it could be somebody that's like a 20% loan to value. They've got 80% equity. They've got an 800 credit score. You know, there's there's different different attributes and different features. Some of the conventional loans where we price them out, like I priced out yesterday a loan for somebody that was sure that they're going to be able to save a gob of money on doing a refi, and the pricing came out to four and a quarter. Hmm. So, you know, and again, that's just it. It, it matters. It's not a one size fits all. And that's why you got to call and just figure out where you fall in the mix and, you know, get a little bit of advice over, you know, especially if you have mortgage insurance or if you're on one of those paths where you, you want to try to figure out how to pay your house off sooner. Um, that's a, that's the right thing to do. I am really resistant to salespeople. Um, like to me, one of the worst things in the world to do is to like, go onto a car lot, you know, that I, I agree. And no I offense to the car it. salesman. Some of you guys are Some car salesmen are my clients and, um, love you guys. But man, overall experience for me, what I don't like about it is I don't like the, like you walk onto a car lot and it starts like, well, where are you from? And yeah. do you have any kids? And like the, the weird small talk thing that's like, you know, and then, well, here, uh, you know, let me text you this. And I'm like, oh, yeah. God, now you're trying to get my phone number. Yeah. And then next thing you know, it's like Tuesday and this dude is calling you that's like, hey, did you buy anything on Sunday? And you're yeah. like, no, I'm just here working, buddy. Yeah. You know, well, I'll follow up with you on Friday. No, please don't. Yeah. Um, anyhow, I, that part of it for me is like I hate that. And hate so – as a rule, um, we try really hard not to be like that. I want it to be a really safe environment. You can call yeah. us, yeah. give you some options, give you an opportunity to respond. Um, what part of uh, this is what I think that I can afford for a loan, don't you understand? Yeah, well. With the car deal, you know what I'm saying? And oftentimes, yeah, payment, you know, we'll, like I'm doing a transaction yeah. right now for a guy where, 
we talked last month and um, wanted to kind of start and get the application and get the stuff together, yeah. knowing that we'd love to wait out the market. A um, goal was to sort of float the Fed meeting and try to see if we could catch something a whole lot better. Um, and so we got all the ducks in the row and we just waited and we got to the point where, you know, we're finally locking in this week and just it never got quite as good as we really hoped it could be. Um, you know, the market, again, it's been a little bit volatile. Rates haven't dropped as a result of the Fed meeting as rapidly as possible, but um, you know, point is you can get in, get your paperwork together, have a range that you're waiting for, you know, and one of the things we were looking at is like, hey, when we can get a a three point nine nine interest rate, that'd be good to go. And if we could find something cheaper, then let's do it. Well, that that came to fruition around the Fed meeting and for this guy's scenario, it just never got better. Never got better than that. Going to 3.875 cost a half a point. Going to 3.75 cost a point. So we just sit there and waiting on it. And, um, you know, had conversation this week where I'm like, I'm not really convinced that the market's going to improve a, a whole lot more from here. Um, you never know. It can just as easily get worse. But, um, yeah. So, anyhow, that's what we've been busy doing. Helping people like you. So if you want that help, we'd love to help you. We also talked about purchase loans. And I hope it wasn't too discouraging. I mean, like I said, I like to have appropriate expectations, but it's a tight market. And the best thing you can do is to be pre-approved and ready to rock. Right. Um, Yeah. Purchase transactions are still closing quickly. So the timelines can be met, but it's about you being ready, having a good um, offer strategy with your realtor and and you know just a little bit of luck sometimes will help too um i did check i like to to keep tabs on how we stack up in the county and um the the through the first half of the year uh central coast lending was the number 2 purchase lender in the county trailing only that behemoth wells fargo um by the way folks if you're loyal to wells fargo we will happily do your loan and sell it to Wells Fargo if you like, and we'll get you a better deal than they can get you through their retail division and probably do it faster. Uh, word on the street is that their um, timeline to process mortgage applications is pretty long right now. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, we do a cheaper interest rate for you for Wells Fargo than they're going to do for you. Um, and some of you guys, you know who you are. You're listening to this singing. Um, one of the things about Wells that is nice, though, like if you have an auto loan, you have a business account, you have a personal account, you have your mortgage, it's all under one dashboard. So easy. Um, so I definitely get people that come back and say, we are thrilled that you can plug us right back in with Wells. And I will. Um, and they're they're generally like lately in this model where we are, where we're fully delegated. We do 100% of the work in our shop, close your loan, and then sell it to Wells Fargo long after it's done. Easy peasy. Um, there's a couple of other banks that might 
eke in front of them a little bit better on on any given day. And so I used to tell people, hey, well, just going to Wells is going to cost you 200 bucks. <laughs> I'd save you 200 bucks if you'll go to one of our backups. But um, yeah, it's not. It's not no heartburn there to sell loans to Wells when we used to have to use them mid process. Very, very frustrating. Um, so for years we didn't. Thanks much for listening to the show today, guys. I um, just want to remind you all of our contact information in case you're of the of the crowd that's hearing the show today and realizing that um, you need that help. If you have an interest rate over four and an eighth. If you have mortgage insurance, if you want to get pre-approved to buy a house, find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. Um, you can send us an email at info at centralcoastlending.com, or you can call us at 805-543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. We'll be back next week with another live episode of Mortgage Matters. Thanks much for being with us.